Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We are in our second week of our series called Twisted Truths. We'll be here next week. Whoa. Making noise here for no reason. We'll be here next week and probably one, maybe one more week, not probably, maybe one more week, but I think we might be able to finish it next week. And uh, looking at Twisted Truths, the antidote to, for Bible myths, conspiracy theories, and misinformation. Right, everything is copacetic now. We're all good, Gabe. And we'll be in 2 Timothy 2 here pretty quickly. Uh, Proverbs 18, 2. Is really kind of the verse we started with last week, and kind of the underlying verse for this entire series, if you want to look at it that way. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. The entire point of this series is that we don't want to be fools. We don't want to be foolish. We want to delight in understanding, and we don't want to only show off our opinions. And uh, the, the verse that we really ended with last week uh, was that we needed to preach the word, teach the word. We needed to encourage each other in that, uh, and that we needed to keep our head and endure hardships and all those types of things. And, and we're still in Second Timothy, which is really the kind of the kind of the overall arcing theme of this entire letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul's writing it to his son in the faith, is what he calls him, uh, and encouraging him to endure and to continue being the pastor that Paul has asked him to be. Uh, for the churches that he is over. And so it's, it's what they call one of the pastoral epistles. It's one of the epistles that talks about how to be a pastor, those types of things. But in talking about how to be a pastor, you're also talking about how to be a Christian. So we dug into that last week, and we just talked about taking the Word of God very seriously, not being flippant with the Word of God, but at the same time, not being scared to share the Word of God for fear of messing it up. If you're coming from the right heart, then if you mess it up a little bit, thankfully God uses that, and works with an obedient spirit. So the main thing is, is that we're trying to do it the right way, not that uh, we get every single thing completely correct all the time. Don't let that keep you fearful in sharing God's Word when it needs to be shared. So we're getting into conspiracy theories this week, and I'll be honest with you. <laughs> this is one of those messages where I'm, I'm preaching into a mirror because I kind of like them a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're, they're kind of entertaining to me. I can't, I can't, I can't put it any other way. So they're entertaining, and I'll probably waste a little more time on them than I should. Um, matter of fact, I found a super, super famous TikToker that made a video about this that, that just kind of nails it, uh, the, kind of the way that I feel about it. John, we'll need some, some volume on this, sir. Not believe in any conspiracy theories. I understand not all of them, not most of them, but you don't believe in any conspiracy theories? You just think the government's just batting a thousand and telling us the whole truth? That's a strong stance to take. So, just just being uh, just being transparent with you here, okay? Just being transparent. Um, but as we get into these, uh, and this first part, this opening part is really just more for for fun than anything. It's okay to have fun as we gather together. Uh, in the Lord's name, but so 
I spent a little bit of time, probably more than I should have, but I spent a little bit of time over the last two weeks compiling from several different lists, and most of them have crossover, the top 10 conspiracy theories that exist currently in the United States. The top 10 kind of all time and that are still ongoing. Okay, first one. 5G wireless technology is being used to spread coronavirus. <laughs> COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. Okay? There's two different theories within this theory. The first one is that they use the 5G to lower your immune system, and then, uh, then that makes you sick. And then there's a second one that says that they actually use the microwaves of 5G to literally spread the virus through the 5G wireless technology, which is completely and totally physically impossible, but there's still a lot of people that believe it. Now, I'm not advocating for or against or anything these top, these top 10. I'm just the messenger real quick. One you've probably heard of, Area 51, right? Flying saucer crash in uh, Roswell, New Mexico, 1947, and people have been convinced that the, the secret military base that is there is, is used with alien technology and controlled by aliens and a whole bunch of other things. A lot of these things I don't understand why center around alien activity, but uh, just because we're kind of fascinated with that, I guess. Tupac, Michael Jackson, and Elvis all faked their death and are still alive. There are people that are 100% convinced that this is literal truth. Where they all go to live after they fake their death, I'm not sure, but there are people that believe this happens. This one's this one's out there a lot. If you watch any of these type of movies, I like these kind of movies. The Illuminati or secret, secret societies are, are ruling the world. From behind the scenes, the rich, powerful, and elite uh, have, con, have conspired together to rule the world and to make sure that you're doing what they want you to do. This is Zach Stanley's favorite. <laughs> the earth is flat. Zach almost got in a fist fight with me when he was working here a couple of summers ago. But... <laughs> Because we started on this one, and I was like, well, you, I mean, you can kind of you can kind of see where they're coming from. I mean, if you look, it kind of looks flat. And the more I agged him on, the more mad he got. <laughs> it was pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. They say the people that believe this think that, that NASA has photoshopped the pictures that are from space. They've just made those up. Uh, that gravity is an illusion. That GPS is rigged. They don't believe in any of that. They believe that the Earth is flat. Number five, the moon landing was faked by NASA to win the space race, to increase national pride. They say that the flag fluttered in the video when, they, when, when the flag was put up, that in, in space, if you don't know, it's a vacuum, there is no air, there is no wind, uh, and that the flag fluttered, you know, not to mention that it was 1969, and maybe just transmission wasn't that great, but whatever, that they've got themselves convinced of that one. This, one. this one, as a former history teacher, infuriates me, I'll be honest, that the Holocaust was a myth made up by the Jews, to increase their power and standing in the world, right? Never mind the fact that we know at least six million of them were killed. We have documentaries on it. We have personal testimony on it. We have pictures of it. We have videos of it. Never mind all that. Some people are still convinced that the Holocaust was a myth. September 11th, there are people that believe wholeheartedly that it was an inside job, that demolition charges exploded, and that's what made the towers come down. There are some people that now believe that the planes were fake, that they were drone-like remote-controlled planes that flew into the building. There you go. Number two, the JFK assassination. 
oh, this is one that just still exists, right? And the government didn't recently help this one when they were going to release all the information in the last minute, the 11th hour. They didn't release it. That just sent all the, sent all the people just over the edge. People say the CIA did it or some other government agency or Castro did it or the Russians did it or the mob did it. It can't be that simple is the problem. In our brains, it can't be that simple. Life just can't be that fragile. Evil just can't be that easy to perpetrate. And so we have to, we have to come up with these things. Now this one, I bet most of you have never heard this, this one, number one. This one I cannot, I cannot say with a straight face. But there are people that believe this. That reptilians rule the world. That the elites of the world are actually reptiles disguised as humans. These reptiles include elites like George W. Bush, the Clintons, Queen Elizabeth, the entire British royal family actually have, have been reptilians the entire time. Now you laugh, <clears throat> but a survey in 2013, a survey in 2013 found that this specific conspiracy theory had 12 million supporters in the United States of America. So laugh at that. Laugh at ourselves. And this is to say nothing about the current conspiracy theories, right? I mean, they're, they go far and beyond what we're currently in. The pandemic and all those types of things, there are, there's a new one every day. And I'm not here to say if any of these are true or they're not. I mean, some of them are, are whatever. Some of them you can... Some of them, if you watch enough movies and those types of things, you can convince yourself there may be some truth in those types of things, but it, it's really not the point. But as we get ready to go back into 2 Timothy 2, I hope that you're thinking, where are we headed with this? <laughs> I hope, I'm, I'm brushing up on a, too long, on, a, on a sermon, I mean on an intro, a Stuart-level intro distance here, dur duration. <laughs> I hope you're thinking, where are we going? I hope you're on the edge of wanting to hear how we're going to apply scripture to this outlandish introduction. I hope you're ready for the word of God. I hope you're excited about hearing the word of God. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll go through the first 19 verses there. It says, you therefore, my son, Paul talking to Timothy, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's discipleship. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. He has a focus in what he is doing. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete... He is not crowned unless the, he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel. Remember that, Paul says, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. Paul's writing this letter from jail as he writes this to Timothy to spur him on. He knows his life is short. At this point, but the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This trust, this saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, 
we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, thankfully, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Verse 14, remind them of these things, the people that you were pastoring, and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Verse 19, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. God, I come to you this morning, Lord, as we divide out your word. I pray that you would speak to me and through me, Lord, that I would decrease, that you would increase, Lord, that, that the unsaved would be saved, Lord, that the saved would be revived and inspired. Lord, I pray that your word would do what your word and only your word can do, God, that it would divide us, open us, and show us what is true, God, and bring us to a point of decision where we have to make a decision for you or against you. Lord, and I pray that today we would make decisions for you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're not going to go back through all of that, but I think all of it kind of makes the point well together. I could spend a lot of time on the first verses of that chapter, but we're going to focus in kind of on the middle part of what we looked at today, starting with verse 14. To remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. Now, not that some words are true and some words are untrue, but the trivial things is kind of what Paul means here. They shouldn't be fighting about trivial things. And many of the letters of the New Testament are dealing with false teachers, teachers that are teaching things that are not true. They're not the gospel. They're not what Jesus had, excuse me, had taught. So a lot of this is, especially this section, is dealing with false teachers is what he is talking about. It's, it's Timothy teaching the truth versus the false teachers teaching things that aren't, and to persevere through that, knowing that you're going to face persecution. So false teachers and their listeners, it says here, are brought to ruin by fighting over words that don't matter. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Or you could translate the Greek also of those who share this and those who listen. It's bad for the teacher and for those being taught. Pointless discussions, right? He's talking about pointless. He's saying you can, you can take biblical things and talk to them to the, to the point and to the extent that you think you're being spiritual, but you're really just wasting your time. That's what he's talking about. Now, some of us do this in fun. I know some of us, you know, we, we made fun of Brett on the way down to the Right Now conference about every, at the 17th hour, you know, 17th minute of every hour, he was going to bring up Calvinism versus Arminianism again, and we'd end up arguing about that for 15 minutes again. But that, that's not really what this is talking about. But it could be. It could be. If it's not done in jest, he was doing it for fun. But if you're really dividing a church over certain issues that don't pertain to the gospel, then you're really leading others to ruin and leading yourself to ruin is what Paul says here. 
He's, he's saying that you, you, you think that you're doing something special, you think that you're being spiritual, but really all you're doing is being prideful. This is coming from a place of pride. It's a dangerous thing. It's not a, it's not a good thing. The word there for ruin or destruction is catastrophe. Lit straight from the Greek is catastrophe. We still use that word in English, but it literally means to turn upside down, which is the opposite of what we're supposed to do with God's word. We are supposed to build each other up. We are supposed to edify each other in God's name. So it's the opposite of edifying. Speech and words should build up, not tear down. At the end of that little section there, it says, correctly teaching the word of truth. Be diligent to present yourself as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Many of us have heard that a bazillion times, right? It's, it's the theme verse for, for the Iwana program. Correctly teaching the word of truth. A truth teacher, in other words, someone that is teaching the truth, has no shame in the presence of God. Not because they're good, but because they're doing what is good, and they follow the one that is good. A truth teacher has no shame in God's presence. God, truth and love and godliness and handling God's word properly, especially the gospel with truth, this is what God approves of, is what this is saying. God approves of us teaching truth and living lives in truth and loving on each other and others and, and desiring godliness, not wickedness, and handling the word of God, especially the gospel, the truth about what Jesus did, why he came to this earth, how he resurrected, what that means for us. This is what God approves of. A bunch of chatter and a bunch of junk about a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. God's not so impressed with that, not near as impressed with it as we can be, as we can impress each other with it sometimes. What, what, and, and what really is the, the kind of the heart of this right here is that, and this is what really Jesus really didn't like, when he got onto the Pharisees, those types of things, this is really what he was, hit, it was, <clears throat> was hitting at. False teachers weren't just mishandling the truth, but they were mishandling it for their own benefit. That's really what rubs God the wrong way. You know, teaching things that aren't true, but that help you personally. They help you have worldly gain. That has been happening since the beginning of this thing started. It was happening as Paul and Timothy were alive. Paul's writing this letter at around A.D. 60. We know that because of the timing of when other things are said there in Scripture. So this is not very long after Jesus has died and resurrected. It was happening then, and it's darn sure happening now. There's a whole lot of false teachers out there telling a whole lot of things that sound good and tickle our ears and make us want to follow them and make us want to give money to them and give prestige to them. And, and, and prestige and, and money and all those things are not, are not bad in and of themselves, but using God's word inappropriately or wrongly or with evil to gain, worldly gain, just it doesn't get much worse than that. This word here, correctly teaching, uh, your, your translation may say rightly dividing, which is, which is really a closer translation it, it's to, the, to the literal meaning of the word. Correctly teaching is what it means, but, it, but the word literally means rightly dividing or cutting straight. Like if you were going to cut a row or cut a road through trees, you would cut it straight. The, wor the word is dokimos, or excuse me, uh, something that, I, I got ahead of myself, something that is cut straight makes things that are crooked stand out. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. In other words, if you teach God's word straight and you cut through it 
and it's straight to the point, then things that are false, it's going to be obvious to those things. We've talked about that before, that if you want to know what counterfeit money looks like, you don't study counterfeit money, you study real money, and then everything that's counterfeit stands out. And then this other word, approved, is the word dokumos, okay? Approved, and it means one who has been tested and found approved. We're going to have to live a life of being tested. No way around that. And, and, and the workman who isn't ashamed in front of God is the workman that has rightly divided the word of truth, that has tried to live out with, a, with, a, with the right motives and the right heart and live out the word of truth and share the word of truth in a way that honors and glorifies God and makes Jesus' name magnified. God finds us in that approved, tested and approved, just like you would test the strength of a metal when you were pounding out metal. Moving on to verse 16, it says, Avoid irreverent and empty speech. It's kind of hitting the same point again. The, the thing is, these false teachers, they're probably very organized in the way they deliver these, these truths. They're probably wise-sounding. It probably sounds good. It probably contains some worldly wisdom. But worldly wisdom, apart from God, does nothing but gain you things in this short life. So it probably sounds good, but Paul says it's just chatter. It's just, it's just words with no substance. Now, we kind of hit on this in the, in the intro. This, this is not a prescription for Christian isolationism, right? This is, Paul's not saying to avoid everything that is non-Christian. That's a mistake that, that, that is easy to make as a Christian because sometimes the world is daunting, Sometimes the word, the world is, is scary to us. Evil is not something that's fun to be around. But how, how can we shine a light in darkness if we only shine a light where light's already shining? We must shine our light in darkness. He's not saying to, the, to, to, to turn this into a fortress, which is our natural inclination. That's not what we are to do. He is saying that time is precious. Time is precious. Whenever you... Whenever you have something happen in your life that makes that very clear, then you really understand how short of a time this first physical life that we live is. It is not a very long time. And Paul's saying, don't waste your time on things that don't matter, especially things that aren't true and empty, irreverent speech or chatter, non-substantive non talking. And then he makes a kind of a gross comparison to what that's like here. It says that it spreads like gangrene. The, the phrase literally here says their teaching finds pasture or grazing ground as easily as gangrene spreads in the human body. These false teachers tickling their ears, saying these things that sound good, it's, gonna, it's easy for that to spread in a church body, in a supposed church body just like it's easy for gangrene to spread in the human body. And what does that do? It causes infection and rot and death and decay. It's a very clear picture that Paul is painting here. But truth is always life-producing. Truth is whole and truth is healthy. And real truth always includes grace because if it doesn't include grace, then really it's not truth. That's what Jesus was, full grace, full truth, because the things have to go together and then probably my favorite part of this little section 
And it probably shouldn't be. It probably reveals how unrighteous I am, honestly. But it's probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Have you stopped and thought about this part right here? He, he gives them all these things that the, the, the false teachers are doing, how detrimental it is, how harmful it is, how Timothy do everything you can to not be like this. And then he flat out calls out two people's names that are doing it. It says, Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. Whew. <laughs> I'm, so what I'm, I'm not saying last week as we talked about handling God's word right, and, and this week we're kind of hitting on the same thing, a very similar, just a different angle, very similar thing. I'm not talking about that we're not supposed to be speaking up and speaking out. That's not what we're saying. On the contrary, on the contrary, we must speak the truth. We must speak the truth. We must be bold in speaking the truth. So bold that when it comes time to call out a false teacher, we're not scared to do it. Like Paul does right here, by name. Don't think that this didn't get around to him and A.S. and Philetus. I can promise you. The people that read this letter were like, golly. It got back around to them quickly. Dude, Paul called you out by name. Speak up for the truth. Church, it's Honestly, it's past time. If we want to get honest about it, it's past time for the church to stand up for what is true. We must stand up for what is true. That's what we've been called. That's what Paul is saying right here. Stand up for the truth of godly things, especially the gospel. We must stand up for the truth. Truths like this. Truths like we have nothing to fear in this life. That's a truth that we need to stand up for. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, repented of your sins, and placed your faith in Jesus, you have died to self, self and rose to newness of life in Him, then you have begun eternal life. Yes, your physical body will die, but your physical body will be resurrected with Christ upon His return. There is nothing in this life, no one, no thing, nothing, for us to fear. Easy said, hard to do. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to live up and speak out for the truth. Truth's like all life has value. You know, it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, a, 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 a Sunday where, where most churches, and especially Southern Baptist churches, stand up and say that they are, they are pro-life believers. They believe that abortion is not the answer, that, 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 that all life has value. And that is, that is true. All life does have value. All of it, regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of ability to perform in this world, all life has value, right? Which is why we have to stop just saying that and start living and standing up for that truth. Don't just say that you believe in those things. Do something about it. What are you supporting? What are you doing? What am I supporting? What am I doing that actually does good for that truth? Don't just talk about it. Right, Stuart? Be, be about it. Stuart, he'll tell you that. Don't just talk about it, be about it. What am, what am I saying? Okay, I'll give you a simple, easy example. We have baby, this is not a plug to, get, to make you do this. This is just the truth. 
We have baby bottles back there. We've done it every year for several years. Those baby bottles we take, fill with change, spare change, and we take it to the Choices Pregnancy Center in Russellville. What does that place do? More than you could possibly imagine. Prevented several women from, from having abortions. It helps people with, here's the thing though, it doesn't end once they have the kid. They still need help. They, they have food, they have, they have uh, medical, uh, they help them with getting medical attention, uh, diapers, all the things that happen, right? What are we doing to actually be people that say all life has value? Because if all you do is say that you believe that, but you don't do anything about it, then what are you doing? What are we accomplishing? We're not doing anything besides just chattering. We're performing empty chatter. There's another truth that we should stand up for. People should get second chances. People should get second chances. We live, we live in a time where one mistake, and we like to just wipe you off of the face of the earth for one mistake. And everything you've ever done that was remotely good now doesn't matter. What? Well, then we all don't deserve anything. I mean, if we, I want a second chance. I mess up. I mess up a lot, Whew, more than I should. One mistake doesn't end everything. We should stand up for that truth. What is that truth? That truth is called grace. That's what that truth is. We should stand up for this truth. We should defend the defenseless. We should be willing to stake everything for these truths. Defend the defenseless. What do I mean? The fatherless, the widow, the poor, the ones that society just looks over. The one that society just says they don't matter. The church has always, and at times done a better job of, standing up for that truth. This church has got to stand up for that truth. We've got to stand up and fight and defend the defenseless. We have to be willing to speak up that truth. Even to the point where, like Paul does, sometimes it, 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 you have to call them out by name, right? So I'll be that guy. When it comes to false teachers, I'll name two right now. I'll probably get, not from you, but I'll probably, this will probably like put me on some radar or something, some list or something. Here's two false teachers in the church right now. Both of them make my stomach turn. Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen. I'm not saying they're bad guys, necessarily. But they use the word of God to prosper worldly. That's wrong. Listen to their messages. They never talk about Jesus. They never say anything about the blood. They never say anything about the crucifixion. None of that. Now, if you listen to them, I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm saying that you're going to be led astray. I've been there. I've been there. Around 2008, 2009, some stuff was going on, and all that hope and, and everything's going to be fine stuff. I, was like, I heard Joel Osteen talking one time. I was like, man, that sounds good. That kind of makes me feel good. I was having my ears tickled. And it wasn't very long before I realized he didn't ever mention Jesus. This ain't right. Turned him off and hadn't turned him back on since. <laughs> didn't want to be led astray. We have to stand up and stand strong for truth. Not puffed up in knowledge. Not puffed up in knowledge and pride, but humbly and full of mercy, without fear, stand up for truth. That's what we're called to do. And then, after all this kind of heavy stuff, Paul, 
Paul's not a Debbie Downer, thank goodness. He doesn't finish on a negative. Paul ends with hope because that's what living for Christ is. It's a life full of hope. He says, stand firm. God's solid foundation stands firm bearing this inscription. What is the reminder? That those who are God's, he keeps. Whew, that's a good one. Those who are God's, he keeps. Those who are his, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. He knows who has truly repented and placed their faith in him. And he doesn't wash them away from mistakes. But one day, we're going to be separated, right? Wheat from the chaff. But he's going to hold you. He's got you. He's going to walk you right through it, right beside you, maybe even on his back. He's going to take you through it. Whoever is his, he has. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. This is not something that we talk about a whole lot. Turn from wickedness. We have to live it out, church. We're, he is holy. We are called to be holy. It's a hard one. It's, it's easy to sin. It seems really easy to keep sinning. But the consequences of sin, they're not easy. And they're not worth it. God calls us to turn from wickedness, to not live out things that are evil, especially as his name bearers, those who carry the banner of the Lord, those who say that they follow Jesus. It's too great, too great. We've been called to too great a purpose to not desire to live for the Lord. Easy to turn down that road, though, church. And if you've turned there recently, then turn back. Recognize it. Repent. Come back to him. Get back close to him. Spend time in his word. Spend time together. Pray. Turn away from that stuff. It's not whatever that stuff is. We know what wickedness is. We come out of the womb pretty good at it. We've been called to something great. So what, what are we saying with all this? Right? What are we saying? What, what does all this mean for us? I'll give you four quick things and we'll finish. The content of our conversations matter. That's one thing Paul's teaching us here. Right? The content of our conversations matter. Are, are your beliefs and therefore your words damaging the gospel that you proclaim to stake your eternity on? That's the question I would ask. We, we need to be concerned about the content of our conversations. Why start with all those conspiracy theories? Because there's a lot of them out there that if we're talking about those things and, 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 and just digging into those things, spending time on those things, and I don't necessarily mean those things. Most of that was silly and just for fun and for effect. I mean the things that, that damage the church. I mean when we get so ideological about politics and all those types of things that we, that we dig in into things that, that aren't what matters most. Are, are your beliefs, are you spending so much time on those things that it's becoming things that you believe that is affecting your words and then your words, your empty chatter, is it damaging the, pro the gospel that we proclaim to stake our eternity on? Is it? That's a big question. 
That one hurts. I told you I'm preaching into a mirror today. And I'm not just saying that so I can feel good about yelling at you. It's true. I'm preaching to a mirror. We should be diligent truth seekers. Truth, truth, truth. Seek the truth and forget all the rest of the junk. We should be diligent truth seekers. We shouldn't blab about things that we know or that we are not sure are truthful. We shouldn't blab about things we're not sure are truthful. Another word we can put on that, gossip. We shouldn't do those things. You ever looked at the list that that word is included in when it comes to the fleshly sins? It's a lot of things that you don't want to be associated with, but God associates that with all those other things. It's dangerous and destructive, Paul tells us right here in this little section. The last thing we must, must, must be diligent in presenting the gospel truthfully. We must be diligent in that church. What is the gospel truthfully? You're a sinner. God loves you. Jesus came to take away your sin so that you could have eternity with God. He shed his blood righteously. No sin performed ever in his life. He shed his blood righteously so that by you placing your faith in him, you could be forgiven of your sins and brought to God for eternity. That's the gospel. It's the, it's the period at the end of that. That's the gospel. It's not the gospel and, like we talked about last week. The only and is, after that, you have a life to live for him. You have, you have said that you're dying to self and being raised to newness of life. Life for God. Now go live it. Don't just go talk it. Go live it. Go stand up for something that's truth and make a difference and an impact and an imprint and a dent in this world till he calls us home. You can go ahead and call us home anytime you're ready, Lord, as far as I'm concerned. But until then, we must present the gospel truthfully. And so if any of that other stuff, right, conspiracy theories, all that type of stuff, all the things that are floating out there all the time now in this crazy misinformation age that we live in, if we're falling captive to that, we're probably damaging our ability to effectively share the gospel. And that leads to ruin, Paul says. We can't do that. We can't do that, church. I'll pray for us. If you want to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus and share that with the church this morning, come up at this time and, and share that, that would be great. Uh, if you just want to pray during this time, that would be wonderful too. If you want to sing together as we finish up the service and song, that would be great too. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, may you do it now. Lord, we come to you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you are the, the only God and therefore the God of truth, God. And may we stand upon what you say is true and righteous and good. May we be seekers of mercy and we may, may we be humble as we present those things and seek out those things in our life, God. May we be those that spread your love, real love, God. And love costs. And standing up for truth costs. But may we stand firm that those who you know, you hold and will keep now and for eternity. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please stand.